And welcome back to another edition of Coaching with the Bible. This is episode 154, season 3, episode 45. We are closing in again on the end of the fifth book of Moses. This week's portion is the portion known as Kitetse. And our subject of the week is on getting and being better. This time of the year, in and around our house, is very much uh, the season of the high holidays. Uh, the summer is coming to a close. Everyone, at least most of the people in our house, did their travel, finished their, finished their summer, and are now moving back into, you know, academic year schedule, right? September comes, and school year starts, and Summer vacations end and people are around and, you know, everyone, the teams are present. And so the summer is coming to an end. But at the same time that the summer is coming to an end for a lot of us, it's also a time in the Jewish community where the high holiday season is kicking into gear. It happens to be in our house that the high holiday season exists for much longer than the actual season. And it kicks in very much so in the summer because I have the great honor and privilege of leading a portion of the prayers in synagogue on the holiday, um, and I'm always sort of in the market for new tunes and new understandings of the different verses and prayers and texts. So it sort of rings very loud, let's say, in our house. And with that, sort of the contemplative mode of, okay, another year has passed, where am I now? What did I do? What did I accomplish? And so that's sort of that self-reflective mode very much comes into, into mind. Some of us are, you know, introspective all the time or we're retrospective all the time and thinking about these things, we're reviewing and constantly refining, but some of us are not. And so then when this happens, we sort of get into that space and into that mode. For me, additionally, over the last few weeks, been sort of um, revamping, revising, reorganizing my library in my office, my space in my office, along with other work around our house. Not so much that I was doing the work, but it forced me to do some cleaning, some really heavy cleaning, dusting, uh, mopping, moving, carrying, getting rid of garbage, all that kind of stuff. And it sort of fit the mode of being in self-reflection space looking at things, keep, discard, give away kind of stuff. You're looking at certain books and wondering, where do these things belong? How did I even get them? How did they even end up in my library? And then deciding, okay, what's the sequence? What's the order? Which ones go here? Which ones go there? And so you get into this sort of this mode of reflection, of thinking, of thought, of, of putting that into practice in some way. And you'll think about efficiency or effectiveness or how things should look or how do we want them. And then at the end, if we're giving it the largest possible sort of frame, we always want it to be better. So we want the house to look better, to feel, let's say, cozier or warmer or more welcoming. That means that it's better than it was before. From the standpoint of my office, which is still a wreck, so it's good that you can't see it, it's, okay, ultimately, what's the 
vibe and energy in the office that I want that'll be better now for me than it was before, whatever that may be. So how do we get better? We've talked a lot about sort of the global ideas and a lot of the very specific ways and specifically how we get better. And the truth is the term better for me is one of my favorite words in the English language. I, I use it a lot. I maybe use it too much, but I haven't found, uh, pardon me for saying it this way, I haven't found a word that is better than better. In fact, I've told people that great is better and that sometimes good is also better. And what I mean by that is if you're doing great or the output that you presented is great, then it's better than it was before. If what you're doing now is good or it feels good for you, so then it's better. And so that word, I have struggled to find a term in the English language that effectively makes that message more clear than the word better. You can define it down or you can give specific examples, but that's like my word. Am I better? So in the global sense, am I better this year than I was last year, like I said before? Am I better today than I was yesterday? Can I commit to being better tomorrow than I was today? In X or Y or Z space. That's the big, that's sort of the idea. And so I think about it a lot. I, I, I would say that I spent a lot of time in my head on the subject of, was this better? Am I better? And so when we're thinking about it for ourselves, how do we go about getting and being better? So there are really two ways that I want to share with you today that I think can help us get better. We can share sort of a larger overall construct that helps us get better. And or we can share very specific examples that help us get better. So we can go sort of more global or we can go more local. We can probably have a third, which is, you know, A plus B, which is sort of a hybrid model. But ultimately, ultimately, one of those two things is, is let's say, is the way. And that's what we have to think about. So when we look at the context of the Bible, specifically this week, there's a lot in this week's portion. There's a lot of commandments in this week's portion. A lot, a lot, a lot of them. And... When we try to figure out, so what is the Bible talking about? What is it intend, intending to teach me this week specifically about me or us and the community or the people and so on? How do I want to think about it? And so it happens to be that this week's portion specifically is not about the maximal global sort of construct idea but it actually exists below that in two sets of actionable methods. I would call them the, let's say, the bigger obvious ones, let's say, and the very small. And so let's unpack that whole idea here uh, for us to get together today. When we think about sort of global constructs or big big setups and strategies. So the Bible obviously has one as well. And so the people of Israel are to live by a certain set of principles. They're supposed to act within a, 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 a structure of commandments, ritual, behavior, both towards God and towards man, towards self. All those things are true. 
And the Bible spends a lot of time in a lot of places going through that very big idea. We've talked about the covenantal community in the past, things like that. All that is part of the Bible. But then the Bible sort of drills down and gets into the specifics of actionable items. And so you have the Ten Commandments, things like don't, don't murder or don't, you know, don't lie or, you know, don't commit idol worship, anything like that. Very big, 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 big ones. And I would say very obvious ones. And then it gets really, really small. So, for example, when it is time to think about, you know, giving charity or giving to the poor, the Bible delineates not just you should give charity to the poor. It gets into specific examples of things happening in your fields. So let's say you, you know, you're a, a farmer and you have agriculture and the, and the wheat grows. And as you're collecting the wheat, some of the wheat falls and you're supposed to leave it behind. Or you're supposed to leave a corner of your field or an, an edge of your field uh, available to the poor to come and take. Those things are not intuitive necessarily, at least not for me. And at the same time, there are also commandments. And at the same time, they're way down, let's say, in the small. Because the truth be told that if I picked up every sheath of wheat and carried it into my home, and then the poor person came by and was looking for it and saw none, they might just assume that I had the best tech in the world, and therefore I didn't drop anything. I didn't leave anything over. It would be unknown. Or if it's the case where someone is traveling, in the case of the Bible, it's their donkey, uh, is overburdened and falling down and falling apart. If I simply continue to walk by, or in the modern world, just drive by and not stop, and help them, so it would be unknown. And if I continued, I would forget about it within a day, or within an hour, or within 10 minutes. I wouldn't necessarily even feel bad about it. That's very much in the small. So we have big, and we have small. And it's a question then with respect to us getting better, how do we get better? How do I improve myself today so that I can be better today and therefore better tomorrow? That's sort of the idea. So the biblical examples are the ones that we just mentioned. So they're big and they're small. And they all sort of fit into the larger construct. And so what I want to share with you here is sort of two constructs today for leadership and for our own lives. One is a little bit more global, and the second is very, very specific. The global one is based on a book that I am working through parts of, again, for the second time. I haven't actually completed the book in total because I keep going back to certain sections of it. The book I mentioned here before is written by someone by the name of Bill Walsh. Bill Walsh was a coach of the San Francisco 49ers for many, many years. And he was a highly successful coach, football coach. And his book is called The Score Takes Care of Itself. And I had heard about it before some time ago, among different books of uh, leadership principle books. And finally, finally, some time ago, I was able to uh, get my hands on a copy. I actually bought three, three copies, and, and worked my way through large portions of it. I don't necessarily feel any longer, I mentioned this before once, the sense that I have to finish every one of these books. Um, 
but so much juice and so much action and so much material inside the books to study and to munch on and to chew on and to work from that really, really help uh, get you. So his concept in the book, and I may have mentioned it here once or twice, is the idea that if you simply raise your standard of performance sort of globally, or you set a standard of performance globally, and then you actualize and optimize based on that standard of performance, then you get success. And then the book is called The Score Takes Care of Itself because if you have sort of maximized and optimized and executed towards perfection, let's say, not actual perfection, but towards perfection, then the likelihood of your success is going to go up. So that was in the context of football. So in the, in the list of the things that are part of the standard of performance is demonstrating respect for each person in the organization. Now, it doesn't get specific as to how you demonstrate the respect. Demonstrate respect. Be fair. Show self-control, especially under pressure. These are mantras. They are large ideas that Coach Walsh ultimately worked his way through and sort of built the practice for the team. And then ultimately, they were highly, highly successful. He took them from being terrible to being Super Bowl champions, meaning that they were a dynasty-level kind of organization, a place where everyone really wanted to be and wanted to go, wanted to work, and it became a paradigm of action and methodology for many, many coaches afterward. So you can take the principles, the standard of his the standard of performance, and apply them in the same way to life and develop for yourself your own standard of performance. How are we going to be? How am I going to be as a person, which ultimately then lifts me up because I'm going to try to always live up to the standard of performance and therefore I'm going to be better. Great. That's a very large construct and it works. It worked for him. He was able to take that construct and then drill down to, to great depth and level such that it impacted every aspect and every person in the organization, not just the players. That's an amazing level of accomplishment. And it's a great approach. That's construct number one. Construct number two is more in keeping, let's say, with what the Bible is focusing in on in the small. And this one is not from a famous coach. This is just me. And, and I used, and I call it, and I used and I, and I worked on it with some of the leaders that I worked with over the years in the nonprofit space. And I called it fundraising in the dark. It doesn't necessarily apply only to fundraising. Fundraising in the dark was built on the idea that I would often get questions from people about, here's an example. They meet a donor potentially who could be a very large and, and, and lucrative and valuable donor to their organization, and they're about to do a mega event, and they just met this person. How do they go about asking that person for a very large donation? That's an example. Another example, uh, organization has hundreds of donors, and they reached out to that you know, group of people last year in late December, and they all made a donation. And now it's late December again, and they want to reach out to them. And now they ask me, well, how do we get them to give more money? How do we raise more money from the same group of people? Those are good questions. They're legit questions. No question. And I get them a lot. And my answer always to these people, to these leaders, is fundraising in the dark. Fundraising in the dark means, and in both of those cases, the truth is that it's not 
an immediate moment where you're going to ask the, that one big mega donor potentially or that whole group right away now. It's what you do between or in advance of the next opportunity for a donation to ask. It's all the stuff that happens in the dark. It's how clean and neat and good my data is and how my database works or how efficiently my you know, donation page connects to my email system, which connects to my database, which connects to the people who do the fundraising. It's the notes that I take and sitting down with a donor. It's the level of research that I do before I go meet someone. All those things happen, what I say, in the dark because no one else sees them happen. No one else knows even that they're happening. But then ultimately the results come out and they're like, wow, how did we double? How did we triple year over year? Because nobody saw that happen. That's the quiet work of someone who is trying to get, there it is, better. Trying to get better as a leader, trying to get better as a fundraiser in that specific example, trying to get better as an owner, as a founder, as a person, as a spouse, as a child, as an athlete, as a performer, whatever it is, how do I get better? You get better in the dark. It's that extra rep that a person does in the gym. It's the extra five pages that a person reads to go, you know, to learn a little bit more today. And that pushes them five pages ahead for tomorrow. It's the third and fourth and fifth page on Google after they looked somebody up to get all the way to the depth of the last time this person was honored or the last time they gave a major gift or whatever it is, that's what's happening, what I call, in the dark. And then what happens in the dark, the light is only shown on what happens in the dark later on. That is the same thing in the Bible as helping the person whose donkey has fallen. It's leaving the stuff on the side for a, a poor person in your field. Uh, it's in the modern uh, day, it's setting up the coffee cups for the morning cup of coffee for your spouse. It's, you know, organizing the cabinet so that when your child comes to have breakfast in the morning, the bowl that he or she wants is right there. It's uh, lining up, um, you know, whatever it is and getting it into the space where it's, it's in a way better than it was before and no one knows that it happened until it's over. No one realizes. And that is different. And operationalizing at that level ultimately makes you better. So we can think in the global construct or where the Bible is setting up for how the people should be or how people in general should be and behave and act and interact and all those different things. Again, whether that's uh, towards heaven in terms, in terms of God or towards uh, peers and other people or towards themselves, but at the same time, that's not enough. Because it's all that's all conceptual on many levels. It's all out there. And so when we have to actualize and we have to operationalize, we have to figure out, how, well, how do I operationalize charity? How do I operationalize kindness? How do I operationalize happiness? And then get into small, very small, one-by-ones for ourselves, which actually make us better. And so when thinking about that 
for ourselves to actually get better for ourselves as to who we are and what we are, and how we're going to do that, we could set the big things and have some sort of a very large skeleton of a plan, which does work. Because we can get better. We can improve. We can be better today than we were yesterday. That is for sure true. And we can build this large construct that starts with challenging our assumptions, which we talked about before, about who we are, what we are, and what we can be. And all the stuff that has built up over time that has made us think we are who we are, and therefore we can't change, but we can change. And we can start up there. And we can go into sort of the construct and establish some sort of skeleton of the different specific skills that we need to improve. Amazing. But that's not enough. And so we have to get down from there and we have to start practicing specific things to make this actually be better. So here is one example. One example. And it has nothing to do with any of those things, but it's a thing that you can do that will actually make something better right now. And it's actually not for anybody else, for yourself. I want you to take the time this week and have one meal that you're having and make that meal a mindful experience. So what I mean by that is take time to eat it. Eat it slowly. Give it more time than you normally do. Focus in on what you're eating, how it tastes. Notice the different smells and the different tastes, the different aromas and how it sits inside your mouth and how it feels for you. And do it without your phone. So really be in it and focused on it and allow yourself this sort of mini meditation. This sounds odd, but what does what this does is this allows you, allows you the time and the space in your life to have a better, small experience. Here's the second one. Do a kindness for someone anonymously. One, during the whole week. So do something for someone else around you that they don't necessarily know that it was you who did it. And they won't necessarily even know that it was a kindness that was done for them. Change the garbage bag. Clean up a small mess in the bathroom. Whatever that may be. I don't even know. As I mentioned before, fold the napkins or put out the coffee cups in, in, the, in the morning. Put the dishes away. These are small things in your home that you can do, which are kindnesses that Maybe in the past you've sort of jumped over, skipped over, didn't do, and someone might have hoped that you wanted that you did them, but you didn't do them. But now, in this space of getting better in the dark, when no one's watching, when no one's paying attention, and improving in that space, then it start, begins to show itself in the bigger spaces, in the more obvious spaces, in the more open spaces. That's how this works. We get better... When we operate better, we get better. When we think better, we get better when we start to do better. And then we can move from that into the, the you know, lists of goals and things that we want to do and how we can improve, all these different kinds of things. 
And we can talk about all kinds of other stuff about being better to ourselves and more kind to ourselves and all that stuff. We can talk about practice and how we do this and all these things. But the truth is that none of those things necessarily are going to actually get us anywhere specific as to what we want to do. And so we have to not just commit to be better today, to have better thoughts and better decisions and better actions. Commitment is good, very good. It's not enough. The behavior, the action, the things that we put into motion physically and actuality in the real world, that's how we actually get better. And a lot of that stuff doesn't happen in public view. It happens in the dark. It happens in the private. It happens in the one-on-one with yourself moments. And that's how we get better. It's a commitment to it, for sure. And it's a practice, for sure. But it's also an action. So we can operationalize in all these different emotions and we can put into place things that we can actually do that get us forward, that get us better, that get us to a space where we're in a different mind, in a different physical being, and then we look back and wonder, how did we get here? That is Coaching with Dubai for this week. And let's finish with a quote. This is a quote from Maya Angelou. Do the best you can until you know better. Then, when you know better, do better. Have a great one. Have a great weekend. See you next week.